Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and I am joined with Zach Cady. Hey, hey, hey. Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. And Brett Freeman. Hey guys. Alright, so we had a little bit of a snafu with last week's episode and we had to do an abbreviated episode. So we'll go back and talk about what we talked about in that uh, lost episode right off the bat. Uh, So we had Brett's band tournament, not band tournament, his... Bully tournament where we basically force Brett to fly the droids right list that you guys voted in. So, Brett, do you want to touch base on that real quick? Well, I really appreciated everyone giving me Gurry to fly. That was nice that I wasn't stuck with something completely horrible. Except, unfortunately, I don't know how to fly Gurry, it turns out. So my entire day was spent uh, putting Gurry in horrible positions and having her basically die right away. Um, and then trying to uh, claw my way back into the game, and it just didn't work successfully at all. So it was a pretty miserable day for me as far as X-Wing performance goes, um, but it was it was uh, a fun concept. I think people could maybe win more than one game with that list, but uh, I think that's two games is probably its ceiling. I mean, you had advanced sensors, Guri, and a bid, Brett. Come on, what, what? Like I was at 199 points. It's a bit, isn't it? Stop making excuses. Brett, Brett's not used to being at range one. No, <laughs> I'm not. Oh, it was it was a rough day. One of my games is on stream. In case anyone wants to go and and see how poorly I did, Zach was nice enough to capture it for. Uh, they for... didn't record. Oh, oh so darn. they can't. I, I apologize to anyone who was messaged me asking about their uh, recorded games. Unfortunately, it looked like there was a snafu, and the games actually did not get recorded. So, might be. And all it did was cost me 20 bucks to have Zach delete the recording, so. (laughs) True. On the flip side, uh, I might be the new bully in town, because I ended up winning, and that was fun. Uh, I I flew Fenral with Tarani and Snapshot R5P8, Sunnybounder, the hero of the Scum Empire, and... Captain Justero. Like, I enjoyed it. I think it's... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it... It might be, like, high B, low A. It might be even a little bit higher than that. But, I, I mean, I just enjoy flying Fenrail. And the synergy between Justero and Tirani worked really well. So, because we made Brett, you know... We voted a list in for him. Uh, the next uh, tournament that we do will you guys will be able to decide what I fly. So we haven't scheduled that yet, but as soon as we hear, uh, schedule it, we will set that all up for uh, you guys to vote in a list for me to fly. And don't give him advance answers, Gurry. I mean, you could. I mean, I'll try to do a better job. I mean, chances are the next tournament that we do is going to be hyperspace. Just because you want to have less less crap out there for you to take. I got it. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Stop being so salty, Brett. <laughs> Brett, just get good with Guri. I'm yeah. trying. I really am. <laughs> get good. Cool. All right. So next up. Um, so re- real quickly about that. I-, I said if anyone in the top five uh, that placing, if you haven't already messaged me, make sure you message me uh, and I will be mailing out the prize support for you guys. So from the tournament, uh, we got some cool focus tokens for everyone that uh 
that, that did place in the top five. All right, so next we're going to be getting pretty heavy into the band league. So it starts in two less than two weeks by the time this airs. May 31st is the official start date. It's a Sunday. We already have about four pods signed up, so I think that was a pretty good turnout so far. Uh, we really kind of want to have eight pods. I know that's a lot, but I, I think that's going to be the ideal number. If you know we get less, it's fine. Uh, but tell your friends have them sign up join the discord if you're on the fence about it uh there's a couple things that you can do if you can't run the full 12 weeks then you can absolutely drop one uh pod for three weeks you can sign up at a later time if the first week doesn't work for you uh anything along those lines so like it's going to be running all summer i think it goes until like maybe like mid-august and like i said the ideal number is eight pods of eight people i think that's the perfect number so we're halfway there so keep signing up if you're like i said if you're on the fence or you know you need to talk to me that shoot me a message on facebook shoot me a message on discord and we can definitely work something out if you are unfamiliar with tabletop to or tabletop simulator i can definitely help you out anyone in the discord will be more than welcome to do a uh, test game or practice game with you to really kind of get that feel of the controls and everything like that i mean i'm teaching jonathan this week because he hasn't played x-wing in like months yeah i haven't played since early march right so we need to get this guy his wings again a uh, question yes. uh what what do we do if there's a point change in the uh, do you go with the new points everything yep everything will be live if they come out with the points change as soon as they point put those points out they will be live so even if it's in the middle of the week and you already played your game uh that's fine just the next week go with the points as soon as they release them, um, then they will be live. Um, okay, so what? I missed my place. I was going to say something before this. But anyway, prizing, uh, we have a little bit of what we're going to be doing for prizes. So each pod winner, so at the end of three weeks, the pod winners will receive uh, the prize pool that we have for that week or for that for that pod. So if you go 3-0 in the pod, you get the prizes. Now, that's, you know, a little bit of an incentive to win the pod. Now, let's say you lose in your first game. Now, that you might be like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, concede to my opponents and stuff like that. So if, every, if you complete all three games in your pod, we're going to draw a random person from each pod to win the same thing that the, the top person is going to win. So as long as you complete all three games, you have a chance of winning your um, winning some prize support. We are also so like okay. The other thing is we're going to be repairing the pods every three weeks. So if you win the pod, you're probably going to be placed in you know pods with other winners. Or let's say we have eight pods going, you'll probably all the three and O's will be in one pod, two and ones will be in the next pod, and so on. Uh, down to the zero and threes. Now you might be thinking, okay, well, if I don't win, I'm just going to bomb the next two to, um, to to be in pods with lower people, so I can really kind of like you know snipe prize support or, or something along those lines. If you really are thinking about doing that. So with that being said, as we start progressing the pods, the prizes might get a little bit better, and the grand prize is going to be the top pod at the end of twelve weeks. Like that's going to be. There will be a single winner potentially to the end of this league. And, you know, they will have the 
the best prize support. So uh, I think, we, like I said, we have template trays, we have templates coming, we have uh, range rulers that were, are being made and everything like that. Um, so it's a little bit of incentive. You kind of want to try and stay in those top pods because if you aren't, then you might be missing out on some of the prize support. At the same time, if you are in one of the lower pods, you can always be fighting for the top spot and that might rank you up to one of the higher pods come the second one. So like like I said, we're doing, uh, it's 12 weeks, so it's four pods and that will, um, you have every chance to end up going up to the higher pods. Also, we are currently, I know Brett said he has a lot of people asking about this. We will be looking into a participation uh, droid card. So if you play all 12 of your games, you will be eligible to receive this card at the end of the 12 weeks. We will mail them out and everything like that. If you have something going on and like, let's say you have to miss a pot or something like that, definitely send me a message and we will work something out. Like I understand summertime there's vacations happening and and everything like that. Um, So it's okay that if you miss a pod, just you have to let us know. Or if you are signing up late, um, it's... We'll be okay too. You just have to kind of communicate with us. All right, Brett. So let's. You have this uh, nice little floor for us. You want to talk about? I guess. I mean, so the thing that makes this band league so exciting to me is that it's kind of like a whole new game as far as list building options go. Uh, So I thought maybe it made sense to just sort of, uh, you know, go through at least the criteria I use for. Uh, developing lists and maybe have a discussion about what you guys do. That's the same, what you do that's different Um, because, you know, we might have some people who really uh, don't spend too much time list building who are doing the tournament. They really just go and, uh, you know, check out meta wing or, or uh, something along those lines. Uh, So I think it's, I think it could be helpful for all of us probably to, to think what should we be doing now that we're building lists um, and we can't just, you know, fall back on the old staples. Uh, so the first thing I always think about is, um, you know, just what type of list I think has a high floor in the current meta. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I hate going to tournaments and just completely bombing out. So I want to give myself, uh, you know, a list that I think, you know, even if I play very poorly, I'm probably going to go at least, you know, two and two or three and three and, uh, you know, maybe give myself a chance of winning. Is, is that anything you guys consider at all? Or, or are you just like, no, I want to. I want to build the exact list I want. I don't care about, you know, floors. So this is interesting because you have to, like, understand the meta currently. And if you follow that, you can definitely build lists to be like, can this take on this list? And it's something that I do ask myself a lot of times when I'm list building. Um, So it's definitely a good point to make while list building. Like, I mean, this is going back to the end of first edition when Fen or whatever, the VCX with Fen, a lot of times people were asking, can this list beat that list? And can it also, and like, it might, you might check that off, but can it also check off other lists in that meta? And and I definitely think it falls under this uh, category. Yeah, I think, like you said, it really comes down to like understanding what the current meta is, which is a whole separate conversation i think that's slightly out of scope for what you're trying to get at here brett with list building but like that is probably generally the 
second thing I consider when list building is what is the current meta and what I can do to cut across it. Mm-hmm. And and general, I mean, yeah, you have to to understand the meta to probably pick your exact list, right? But there are a few concepts that probably apply, you know, across the board. Like we know that if you're trying to uh, eliminate variants or, or cut down on variants, force charges probably a very good thing to do. Or other type of passive mods like uh, like boba. Generally, a lot of the things that we cut out of the the list are the things that I would rely on to try and give myself that that high uh, you know, floor where I could fall back on, okay, maybe I'm really sucking this game, but I have Boba and he's just going to re-roll and maybe he's going to re-roll like a god and I'm going to be able to pull it off because of that um, or, or things like that. So I always look for the passive mods uh, or the force charges um, when I'm originally building. And basically that's in, in really every faction I'm looking for something like that. I mean, passive mods are pretty strong. Uh, they they are pretty strong. I wouldn't say that they're the end all be all for myself. So, wh- what would you prioritize? Do you think over like uh, getting passive mods? For me, I think like the biggest thing for anyone in this building is understanding. Not to get all deep and philosophical here, but understanding yourself as a player. Like you, but you need to understand what your play style is. Brett, you are more of a player that I would say like runs the time, not runs the time, but you play the little bit of the cagier matches where you could be like, okay, I'm going to dance around the, the star field and I'm going to pick my battles as opposed to maybe knowing that you're not going to destroy your entire uh, opponent's entire list. So that's incredibly true. But one thing I've also learned about myself is that I get very bored with a with just that playstyle, or just really any playstyle at all. Like I, uh, I still remember the first packs of of two I was running a Boba Fett list that I had flown. You know, basically in all the big tournaments I had gone to before that, and I'm in the middle of packs, right? The biggest tournament I've been to yet in two and I find myself just like being like, all right, I'm just gonna force straight and boost every single time with Boba here to just try and get this game over with because I'm really sick of this whole playstyle that I'm doing. So I know for myself, I need to keep mixing it up. Right, like I try and go to a tournament every two or three weeks, and I, I, unless I'm playing or like playing for something big, I am always trying to use a different list in every single one of those tournaments to try and vary the play experience. Because I do also know for myself, I get very bored. I don't know if anyone else has that type of of experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say I tend to do something similar in that I don't tend to fly the same list big tournament to big tournament, even if there are several in a row. Um, there are exceptions to that, though. Like, there was that period after, like, during and after Nova last year where I just stuck with Boba Koshka because it was comfort food, and I And passive it. mods are good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, that's a perfect list right there, which is passive mods for days. That um, list was built around passive mods, yes. But I wouldn't say that I would say that's more the exception to my rule than. Oh no, I, I know. I I'm just saying, right? Like, I mean, that was a, a list though, where, and I mean, there weren't a lot of double fire sprays being flown before you flew it at Nova, um, where you were able to to see the meta, figure out what was really good, and then even be like, okay, and, and what can I do to even give myself a higher floor? Like, it was it was a very well thought out list there, um, in part because you're good with fire sprays, but also, I mean, those passive mods, uh, as we saw. Uh, you know, Paul, my my buddy, took the 
basically just copied your entire list with no practice, did fine at Nova, and then uh, took down a hyperspace trial like three or four weeks later because uh, you you were a good architect like that. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is it actually, like, cutting across the meta is not how that list started. It started entirely because I was overthinking what I wanted to fly at Nova, and finally the, like, almost last minute decided, fuck it, I'm going back to double fire sprays because that's what I enjoy flying since 1.0 days and hasn't really ever been much of a thing. Yeah, 2.0? Yeah, enjoying what you fly is just is so important. Like, I, you know, this is this was a small monthly tournament or something, but I'd seen this cool list that someone flew at Gen Con. I don't even remember what it was right now. It was some resistance uh, stuff, and it just it didn't fit my play style at all. And I hated the entire day. So knowing what you like and what's going to make you happy is such a big part of, of list build. Yeah. So but yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, going back to this bullet point here, uh, with the Banley coming up, you you can look at these pilots. So, like, obviously, Boba's not in the mix for the at least the first couple weeks. So you can kind of, like, ax out a lot of lists that he's going to be in. Vader is the same thing. Like, you're not going to see Ollie's list. Um, you're not going to see probably any CIS swarms because of the Trade Federation drone. So I would say that, like, maybe, like, if you're planning on building a list for this uh, league, then you can really kind of, like, look at the tournament data that we already have that it's, you know, on, uh, what is it, table or the Fortress, List Fortress, uh, and Advanced Targeting Computer, that you can kind of really see if you take these pilots out, what are the ships that are going to shine and what are the ships and that are still pretty prevalent in the meta without those other uh, pilots and being in the game. Yeah, definitely. I, I think like that's like a good place to start trying to predict what the initial couple weeks of the band league meta is going to be. I hesitate to like say like that's where you should start building i mean it's probably a great place to start building but i think like one of the interesting things in the band league is what crops up into the meta that has been kept out because of the things that we've now banned right now i i also think that like hopefully uh, the ideal function of this league is that we're going to be creating metas that aren't the normal like so like we're going into this like you said with a, a general knowledge of what's happening but i would hope that after like at least the second week you we're gonna see just completely different lists and, and I, I guess that's going back to like what we're trying to get at with this episode is you're gonna have to really kind of think about what you're bringing as opposed to i'm just gonna look to see what the top lists are and try to build around that as opposed to um making your own list which we're really hoping to see here i'd say yeah definitely yeah i i think like so i think that leads to like what i would kind of say is like where i generally tend to start with lists like usually i start with a specific thing i want to fly either a ship or a pilot which is actually Right, your second bullet point. So nice transition there. Well, I stole this one from Andrew, to be fair. But okay, yay team. Well, yay team. <laughs> yay. Um 
And I think like that would be a great place to start as you're looking into the band league. Like, all right, looking at what is available, what is the thing that I'm most interested in flying? Then you can start using that to be like, all right, now looking at what I think the meta is going to be, how do I build a list around this thing that I want to fly that competes with the meta? All right, so I've decided I want to fly Sunny Bounder. I'm, bu- I'm building my whole list around this, what, like 27-point ship. That leaves you a lot of room to play around. I know. I, I um, But, like, so how, how specific are, are you normally like, hey, I want to fly a fire spray or I want to fly Boba or, you know, is it does it really just depend or, you know, what is the more the higher priority thing for you there? All of the above. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, okay, I do want to, like, comment on this real fast because, like, I think what you what can really happen with this idea is if you f- see a pilot that you really want to fly or a ship that you really want to fly you have to make sure that it's not a trap as well and when i say trap like there might be some combos that just aren't good in the game that you think like on paper it's just like awesome han scum han with the title and four lom and something uh, triple zero this is going to be awesome and like chances are it's not going to be good so i think that you have to be really cautious about that as well because what looks good on paper doesn't always translate to what's good on the table see but i think that's where you where i'm a little bit different here like i think you've already taken it like three steps beyond where i'm saying to start sure i'm saying i want to fly scum Han. Then you start thinking about what are the pieces that go with him. And you're right. Like the obvious pieces may not actually be the best fit. Right. right. There is a world where you take Skunahan in a list with old Tarak and Guri. I'm not sure if these points even remotely fit, but, and Han becomes the lowest threat in a list and actually can start doing work for you. That's a good point. Like, like I said, like I would put like you don't put all your eggs in one basket, and, and I think yeah. it could be a trap that if you do look for these crazy synergies to be like, okay, like okay, now look at Brett's list. It was uh, that he flew last week. The droids, right? It was really kind of cool because like it had all these calculate tokens and it had a theme to it. But in the end, I don't know if it was that great of a list because, I mean, granted, he had advanced census Guri and a one-point bid. Um, and, and it was really kind of cool on paper. And I appreciate the list. But, yeah, it's it's something that, like, might not be that great on the table. You know, that's actually – so that's a, a decent list to talk about here because it was a list that was built around theme. Right. It, it was just I want to get as many droid characters on the ship as possible. And to do that, you had to make choices that made the list actively worse. Right. Like BT1, the gunner w- was on there um, where if a ship was stressed, uh, L3 could turn a, a hit into a focus. And that happened a number of times throughout the day. Right. Where a ship is stressed. Um, but that that simple conversion isn't really that that important where I could drop BT1 and I wouldn't have to drop anything else. But now I get the title. Um, on the Falcon, which gives it a whole extra attack die if it's attacking a stressed ship. And my list had stress mechanics in there, right? Forlom was in there. I mean, the whole point of Forlom is to try and get your, your opponent double stressed. So just that one change could have made L3, uh, who basically just flew around the edge of the board doing nothing the entire day and then killing Boba one time <laughs> in one shot of glory, 
range three obstructed. Um, but uh, it could have turned her into kind of actually a threat. Um, but because the, the list was built on theme, which it should have, right? It, it wasn't designed to be an optimized competitive list or else I wouldn't have been flying it um, during that tournament. But uh, yeah, so theme is could be good. It, it might make you really like the list a lot, but you want to make sure you're not giving up too much to get that theme. Right. And, and like I said, like it, a lot of synergies that look great on like paper definitely don't translate. And you said that you were t- talking about um, BT1. I think it changes to a crit, not a focus, right? Oh, yeah. did I say? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sorry. It changes a hit to a, a, a crit. Yes. Right. That would be really bad if it made my dice worse. So, so yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, like if you were to put the title on um, it, it again, it becomes like almost like a one trick pony. And I, I think that's something that you avoid. So yeah, they're definitely could be a pilot that you want but i never build an entire list around sunny bounder i might find different mechanics that might pair up but in the end it's kind of just like what role do these ships play and do i need to figure out other things um as opposed to being like okay i'm gonna make a stress list and everything's gonna be stressed and that's it so, whereas, like, let's say my um, Fen Rao list with Tarani and Justero and Sunny, Sunny was kind of there just as, like, a planker. Like, she's there to take shots. If you kill her, great. She's worth 27 points. You just, you know, wasted a number of shots. But if she can shoot, there's a good chance she's, you know, sh- rolling uh, two dice that turn into three. Um Justero and Tarani, you know, they synergized well together, but I think at the same time, um, Justero is a little bit of a filler ship. He basically, when Tarani can pull off his trick, he gets like a free three dice snapshot. Um, so, like, I got my two bruisers, and then at the same time, I have Fen Rao, where for the most part, I kept him out of the game until I needed to send him in. Um, and maybe that's where we should go with the next one is uh with aces. Like I mean, like so, like I I, I think with, going back to that, I think with uh Fen was that like he was the ace of the list, even though he's technically a pseudo ace. He he definitely served his purpose, and like I filled every single role that I needed to. But in the end, I flew you know two of my favorite ships, Fen Rao and Sunny Bounder, and I want to make sure that you. When you're list building, you fill the roles that you need, and you kind of look to see what uh, floors you're trying to hit with your list. So before we get to aces, just since you were talking about two filler ships there, um, that that makes me think about you know the number of ships you have in a list. My lists are almost always three ships. Uh, occasionally I'll go two, occasionally I'll go four, but <laughs> I'd say 75, 90% of the time I'm, I'm at a three-ship list. Um, now, Justero and Sunny Bounder, I believe they were both naked in your list, right? So that's 69 points right there. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so wh- what did you like? 69 points is basically it's one point more than Fen Rao. Um, so did you give thoughts to do I actually want four ships? Do I think that has a specific utility here? Or was it I really like Sunny Bounder? So in actuality, I only have uh, 42 points and Justero slots in there very nicely so like i said it really came when i was looking at this list um now like granted this list is morphed from different lists that i have looked at in the meta and i've kind of practiced myself but i really kind of felt that these two ships 
uh, served very specific roles that fit, like, complemented the list perfectly. Now, like, I flew a lot of Gestero when the game first was re-released, and, like, I kind of was in a 1.0 mindset where I don't think he was as good. Like, I was still hooked on harpoons and everything like that. So, but now when I'm looking at it, I see how well he synergizes with Tarani, and it's kind of like, okay, if you pull off his ability with Tarani, like I said, it's a three-dice snapshot. You, whether that snapshot's in the activation phase or in the engagement phase of depending really when you're spending your focus token, um, it's pretty big, I would say. So now with Sunny Bounder, it's 27 points. Uh, Like, I put her in there as that role of... I'm going to get her shot, um, or I'm just going to let her shoot. And I think I really kind of weighed all the options. I did look at other ships, like I looked at Forlom, I looked at other um, maybe Old Terok and stuff like that. And, and I really kind of felt that it, it didn't have maybe to weigh in anything of whether it being three or four ships. I just felt that was the best need for that list. Okay, I mean, and that's that's totally fair, right? Like, I, I'd say, I, I think the numbers are that, like, it's almost right around four ships is always the average in X-Wing. Um, so I, I think your your decision was obviously correct, first of all, because you won. Um, so we have the, uh, you know, the hindsight bias there, I guess. But, uh, you know, four ships seems good just because it gives you kind of a, an extra distraction. Uh, and it, you know, it can force your opponent into making bad choices. Like you said, there was one opponent who just completely focused entirely their entire list on Sunny Bounder, and that's 27 points. You're more than happy for them to spend 200 points of their list to try and take out 27 points of yours, right? So, um, you know, those are, are good decisions. And, and in addition, when you lose a ship, you still have enough firepower. Where on my lists, which are usually three ships, once I lose someone, I'm usually pretty crippled if i haven't gotten the game into the correct game state right so i think that brings up a different question of like um so like the difference between three and four ships i don't think is it is pretty great but i think at the same time the the real question kind of is do you want to fly two ships do you want to fly a couple ships or do you want to fly a lot of ships and that kind of like goes down to like archetype like if i've seen a decent amount of two ship lists pop up we just literally talked about double fire spray I'm still pretty sold on Dash. Um, when you, we talk about three ship lists, uh, it's not that far away. Like it, you could have three ship lists that basically are two ship lists and a support ship, like something like Jake that might not be shooting every turn, but he's there just to support things. Um, or just do you want to try the eight ship swarm? Whether I mean, tie swarms might be pretty decent with bands coming up uh you might find some kind of cis swarm that we are just completely missing or maybe like we unlock the trade federation drone and you want to fly that swarm i definitely think when you come down to list building all of these options are viable that you can start with two ships you can start with three to four ships and you can go upwards to six seven eight ships and and i really think that's looking at yourself of what play style do you want to be and like i said i i think all three of these options are 100 percent viable yeah <clears throat> i so i usually start 
thinking I usually start thinking at five ships because in rebel lists you can often fit five and then I have to make that conscious decision I think okay is it worth cutting out a ship and then going to four ships like upgrading from five generics to four named pilots and then if I think it's worth it which for much of the last year has been you know to upgrade to name say b-wings and such then I think is it worth cutting another ship and then going to three ships so generally over the last year I have usually settled at four but often, but I often sort of start thinking at five and there was a brief period where I think five ship I guess that must have been like a year ago now where five ship rebel I think was pretty good um and I think playing six or more ships, that's that conscious decision of like, I'm going to play a Sinker Swarm, I'm going to play a Separatist Swarm, I'm going to play a TIE Swarm. Um, it's just my thoughts there. No, yeah, I, I definitely think it goes down to like archetype that what what do you want to fly here? And um, like I said, all are viable. Um, I, I know five ship rebel was pretty decent, but and, and I think people kind of shy away from two ship lists at the moment. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad, but uh, I think it really boils down to that. Is I mean, I definitely enjoy flying two ship lists here and there, but uh, it what you were just saying, Brett, when you have three ships and one you know drops, I mean, imagine what it's like to have a two ship list. So when you're list building, that's definitely something to consider. Is is the ship just going to blow up, or is it going to have a fighting chance to? do the damage race or get out of the situation that it needs to do. And not just, you know, it's also going to be when I screw up that turn, right? Because if you're taking it to a big tournament, which obviously the band format is, is not, you know, the premier format yet in X-Wing, but um, when I make that screw up, am I just going to die? Is that ship going to die? And my game is just completely over, Um, which goes back, I guess, to the, you know, how high of a floor do you want to have on your list? But, uh, I mean, as somebody who had Dash blow up in like two turns the other day, I know how damaging that is to your game when uh, 115 points or whatever just evaporates immediately. Uh, all right, so why don't we move on to Aces? Yeah, so so this, I, I, I like Aces. I enjoy Aces. I know not everyone here on this podcast does, but uh, what I like to think about is just, you know, do I think that Aces have a, a place in the meta right now? And for all of 2.0, the answer has been yes. Um, the reason why this is on here is I just remember the, uh, you know, the 1.0 days where bombs were everywhere and, uh, flying those aces was a lot more risky. Um, but you know, do I think aces, uh, are, are able to, to perform right now? Um, you know, what type of aces do I think give me the best shot? And also, you know, this gets kind of ties into my next topic, but you know, how many points do I actually think I have to work with to, to use those aces? When I'm building an ace list, I start at 190 points. I, I want to try and be below 190 points. Um, it doesn't always work. Often I end up at 193. That's usually my max that I'll let myself go. Um, but, you know, those are things that I'm thinking about is, you know, what type of point threshold am I willing to go to? Now, someone like Jonathan, you fly four or five ships. I'm assuming you're really not worrying about spending less than 200 points, right? I generally... If I'm at like 198 or 199, it's like my brain wants to spend that last. You're really like, this bad. isn't efficient enough for me. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not uh, used to bidding. Mm-hmm. What about what about you other guys? Um, so a lot of my lists, I 
generally push to 200. And that's going back to the last question, uh, bullet point aces definitely are in the game. And I don't think they're ever going to be out of the game. Uh, as long as FFG is really controlling things. So uh, there, there's no question about that. Like even with our bands coming out and we banned a lot of aces between, um, Kylo and Whisper and Vader and all that. Uh, you still have Soon Tier, and I'm sure some Jedi is going to pop out and everything like that. So there's no question that they're always going to be a place right now. And uh, going back to what I was saying, that it depends on your archetype. But as far as bid goes, unless I'm flying one of those very light um, points. Uh, our light ship counts, I'm not worried about bids because uh, I, I really think it comes down to that bid also makes that one ship more, in the end, more points. So I really think that kind of like goes hand in hand with the ship count as well. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I, I just think I, from everything that we've been talking about, like I just, I, I think about this in different ways than you guys have been talking about it. Like I said, I, I really do start with like, what is the thing I want to fly? And then I kind of transition into, all right, what type of list do I want it to be based off of the thing I want to fly? Like, obviously if I'm building around a B wing is much different than building around Anakin Skywalker. Right. Usually. And then once I have that figured out, then I'll start figuring out points. Right. Because it really just depends. I mean, and I don't think that there is an obvious answer until you kind of have more of an idea of what it is exactly you're wanting to do with your list. So like for myself, like the two good examples are like my triple Jedi list that I ran last summer where, yeah, I wanted a massive bid because I was running two CLT Jedi and one seven B Jedi. And in order to keep them alive, I needed them moving last. Whereas with the double fire spray list, I went to 198, 199, somewhere in there before the point adjustment, because I wasn't trying to arc dodge with it. I didn't need to, it wasn't as big a part of that list because it already had passive mods and double focuses and it can tank a hit right and one of the other things that i think about with uh with bids is are, are you really kind of like you if you want to move last like that's really kind of assuming that your opponent um i mean like granted like you see sometimes these bids go down to 17 points and everything that it's like is your list something that is going to win or lose in list building. And I, I don't think that's something that appeals to me now that granted, Brett, I, I know some, you are particular with the aces and you need that bid, but I mean, do you ever find that your list just shoots the shit when it, uh, <laughs> like it loses that bid? Yeah. So I'm, so it's some, something I definitely am always always focused on is what happens when I lose the bid. And sometimes the answer is just, you know what, I am probably going to lose this game. Um, and, you know, it, it does suck when that happens. But generally, I don't 
think that having the extra upgrades would have given me that type of advantage to to win that game probably anyway. I think the the way aces are are uh, at the power level right now, a lot of times just moving last uh, is worth far more than basically any upgrade I could put on that ship. Um, but I do always try to give myself the best chance, right? So if you go to to the uh, Pink Brain Matter website, um, the the thing I like the most about that website is they basically show you what your percentages of winning the bid uh, based on uh, the highest initiative you have in your ship. So for instance, right now in wave six, um, if you have an I six in your list and have a hundred or, and are at 195 points, you're going to win the bid 90% of the time, right? Nine times out of 10. So you could easily go an entire tournament there and never lose the bid. So 90% is generally the number I try and get to if I'm flying a, an I six, um, you know, at certain points you, you reach diminishing returns, um, where if you're at 182 or points, then you are 9% more likely to win the bid, but you've given up eight more points. Um, so you have to, to try and figure out, I guess, uh, you know, how comfortable you are with that. I do always try and have some tech in my list for, you know, if somebody either just has a higher initiative than I do um, or is going to be be moving first. I, I often will throw sense on a list or something along those lines, um, which gets rid of my bid, but helps me out when I, you know, do eventually lose the the bid war unfortunately and one of the things that is like the meta i guess right now is pretty diversified that if you have like a significant enough of a bid you're probably winning it like a a lot of times like you said like it's probably like nine times out of ten right that if you have a deep enough bid that you're going to be winning it and it does matter a lot of times unless you get that mirror match or something and I, and I think you hit the nail on the head too, Brett, with like the law of diminishing returns. Because like when I first busted out that triple Jedi list, like I think that was one eighty seven, and like I know that like theoretically somebody could outbid me, but at that point they're cutting so much stuff out of their list that I'm confident that I still am just bringing the better, stronger list to the table. Like right. they may get to move after me, but you've cut so much out to outbid me that I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, the problem really with X just to, to this is kind of a tangent is when you can have a list where everything is as decked out as you want it to be, and you still have a 16 point bid, right? Like the Boba Fens of this hyperspace season, where you know they would run somewhere between 100 and like 78 points and 188 points. Uh, you know, still a 12 point bid no matter what gives Fen a 96% chance of, of moving last. Um, but when you have to do, when you do have to make choices, like you're saying, where you're going to have to cut off sense, right? I, I believe you, I don't remember if you had sense on your list. I know you had R2A6 though, which was huge, right? And yep. if you had to, to, to dump R2A6 to get that extra six point bid to take you from a 96% chance of winning the bid to a 99% chance, that's a horrible trade to make, right? Yep. Because you're, you're handicapping yourself in 96% of the matches, to give yourself a slight edge in three. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like kind of also exactly what you said, like cutting a piece that techs against higher bid lists, right? Like the thing with like, again, not to go off on this tangent too much, but like with R2A6 in that list was even if you outbid me, you won't out, like you won't be bringing two sixes or three sixes to the list. Most likely you'll have something else in there, which will give away to me 
where you're trying to go, and then I still have R2A6 to try and react to that. Like, even if I'm still moving before your six, I have an idea of where your six is going to be based off of where you move the rest of your ships. Because most times, players are trying to get multiple things on target. So I think it's also just, like, understanding, like, so that side of it, too, of, like, understanding that, like, at a certain point, you're getting bad returns for trying to outbid somebody. And then, like you said, Brett, having pieces in to tech against when you do get outbid. Yeah, I think that's entirely correct. Um, I, I mean, Jonathan, I know you you really are not worrying about having high initiatives usually. I mean, you, you did fly a bunch of wedge, I think, right, with your with Braylon and stuff. But, um, I mean, generally, I think I see you flying I-4. So I'm assuming this is not something you worry about at all, right? So usually I fly at I-2 or at I-4. So I-2s if generic, I-4s if uh, named rebels. But I have flown like at I-5 with Luke and Lando. And many times, uh, there, like every time there would be a situation, I would always, I, I mean, I would always be in the high 190s or at 200. And there, I can definitely think of a lot of games where like the opposing player had like a, a Grand Inquisitor. Uh, and I had an end game where I had my Luke against the Grand Inquisitor. I was worth more points than he was. But you know, I had spent 199 points. He had spent like 190. So he moved after me, and I there's no way I could win that game. That that end game. It's just I feel like I always run. I I don't know. At least with I feel like I need to spend those points on things, and it's well, it's just me. It's just me. It's not. I could probably make a. I mean, so on that point though, you always usually spend like 199, 198, 200 points. But it also becomes like a different game then. Uh, I, I Playing you enough times, Jonathan, that you have developed a skill that you kind of know where the ships are going to go. So you develop your blocks, you develop um, the optimal engagement for yourself, and you really kind of capitalize on that. So, I mean, like, it's not always, like, the worst thing. Like, granted, yes, I can understand that if you're going up against a Grand Inquisitor and he's got the bid, it, I could understand how that is happening. But it also comes down to, like, a different game uh, when you don't have the bid. Uh, that Brett, you mentioned earlier that you kind of have, like, a game plan. And, and I think that's a part of it, too, that is, like, understanding when you are moving first as opposed to last. And Jonathan, I thought you brought up a good point about, you know, end games. And this wasn't on my list initially, but, uh, you know, when you're building a list, you should try and come up with a, you know, your ideal end game ship, right? If it's, if it's Boba's in the list, Boba's probably your end game ship. And you're bringing something along that you're going to end up trading for ideally around the same amount of points. And then Boba's just going to be able to do enough work. Um, or if you're flying, you know, a TIE swarm or a swarm like that, well, your end game is just honestly not getting to the end game because, you know, one tie fighter against an ace is going to lose. Right. But in a 75 minute game, if you get seven turns in and you still have five tie fighter left, that's your end game, but it's not really the end of a normal game of X-Wing that goes to completion. Right. It's just the mid game. Um, so, you know, knowing what type of win condition you want and your ideal end game for me, it's usually, I want to see if I can get Anakin there with over half health. Right. So I typically want to bring some type of regen to try and help him get there, um, you know, in, in good health. And, uh, you know, hopefully I have enough pieces along with him to try and uh, make it so it's just him on a one on one scenario. 
Um, but that's huge is trying to figure out what your end game is going to be. Right. You, you definitely bring up a good point there because with a lot of my games, I fly the fangs a lot and I, I definitely try to get Finn to the end game. Uh, and I don't always bring the bid with him because a lot of times I sixes just aren't on the table. Like you will see soon tier and you will see Vader. But uh, other than that, like I, I'm not too scared of anything else. So I will boost up my points to 200 with Fen and try to keep him to the end game as long as possible um, to get those exact scenarios out. Um, but uh, at the same time, I've run like, okay, let's say something like a Torkoal Swarm. Like your end game isn't that like your win condition is almost to uh, basically obliterate your opponent's, you know, entire list to get a 200 point win. Um and it's important to identify that when you are list building to understand what kind of list you are build, are bringing because it's not always uh, can I bring my ace to the end. It could just be I need to identify which engagements are going to win me this game and which I engagements are going to let you have that end game where you will win the game. So it's something to really kind of look at um, when list building on, on how you can achieve that with the different lists in the meta yeah right like that's like what i'm like the rebel block end game is isn't really an end game it's a mop-up right i'm expecting with my five rebel ships that i'm going to do enough damage in the early and mid game that i'll still have multiple ships on the table tier one ship and then it's just a mop-up game it's not an end game yeah 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 no, i was just gonna say that i mean that makes complete sense and you know that that sometimes that is just what your your plan is that you think you actually have enough firepower here that against what you expect to see you will just be able to take everything out um and yeah you know, i mean that's kind of you know you're just building a, a super efficient jouster there um which hopefully has enough pieces to to take care of you know an ace list if you that that's able to arc dodge you if you come up against that too all right, so let's uh, let's move on to this next one. I like this next one with passive mods. Yeah, right. So just what what can I do to get more of them? <laughs> yeah. So okay, okay. I want I want to touch base on this a little bit. Uh, so when you were list building, and I do this a lot, where like and I run by my lists um, to Brent a lot. Like I, because what I do is I load up on some repetitive passive mods too, like. Brett will look at a list and just be like, well, do you really need this if you have this? And I'm like, okay, you're right. Um, or, or I will put something in that doesn't make sense. And he'll come back to me and be like, well, you should just be doing this. And, and like, I know a lot of times people will be like, well, why don't you just run Boba instead because of passive mods? So uh, it's definitely something to always be hunting for where if you can put it in, then you definitely should be putting it in. Um, like, Maul's a great one. I, I could imagine that Maul's going to get banned at some point in the league. Uh, Fang Fighters, I know I'm repeating a bunch of uh, scum stuff, but, like, the Jedi, like, just having four charges, like, is definitely an option to get as many passive mods as you possibly can. And, yeah, exactly, right? Four charges is, is probably the prime example here. Um, but it's also important not just think about how can I get the most amount of, of, of force charges. It's are my points being really efficiently spent? Because I can put Palpatine 
on an arc in Republic to get a force charge there. But that arc is going to die very quickly. And are those points wisely spent where Fang fighters, you know, they're, they're relatively inexpensive and they have probably the best ship chassis ability, or if not the best, one of the best in the entire game where those points are just far more efficient in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Right. Like you can throw Kanan and Ezra onto Han Solo, but that's probably a really dumb use of your points. Exactly, right? Like, oh, there's 26 points or whatever to get those two force charges, but, I mean, that's, like, most of Jake <laughs> to just give him a focus every turn for a while. Yeah. Is Jake just a passive mod? Jake is kind of a <laughs> passive mod, right? Kind of. Jake's right, a like passive Jake, mod. Ten Jake, a pretty good one. K2SO, I mean, there's, there's a ton of these these passive mods now. Uh, I mean, they're not as as, you know obvious maybe sometimes to seeing expertise guidance from first chips. edition yeah or guidance chips exactly but uh i mean there's there's a lot of ways to get those passive mods but you need to make sure you're doing it in a, an efficient manner oh god you can get maul in with ezra and kanan too and go really <laughs> expensive uh, I, I tried that it's not good it's not good at all <laughs> Put three force charges on Han Solo. Uh, or you could just put um, Maul on a Kanan in the VCX. Or you could probably put... Don't do it. Okay. Um... <laughs> Alright, so yeah, I- I'm definitely always... I'm always looking for passive mods in any of my lists. And it's wise to do that, I, I definitely think. And I think also like the counterpoint to this too is what we talked about back in the variance episode a few episodes back if you haven't listened to it you should go check it out but like there's there's like passive mods are about getting around variance and there's various ways you can do that at the list building stage and like sometimes it's loading up on force charges sometimes like jonathan it's bringing five rebel ships that are just throwing a lot of red dice and at some point those red dice are going to do okay <laughs> right so why don't we why don't we hit this topic about being initiative killed uh Jonathan, you could probably talk a little bit of this because you just said you t- take a lot of two initiative, two ships. Um, like, what is your thought yeah. process going about this? Like, are you expecting one thing to die, or are you trying to maybe salvage it, um, or, or even cycle it? So, I think when you're bringing lots of uh, generics that are lower initiative, you expect to sort of fall behind at the very beginning, like on the first couple engagements you know, like your ships get beat up and you don't want to lose ships on the first engagement, but with, um, but you wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I guess it depends on the list. So if you're bringing, I think, say, say sinker swarm with torrents, or if you're bringing, I don't know, like mining guild ties or seeks, you're not surprised if one dies at the beginning. So if you're in a six, six, seven, or a, or a separatist swarm, you know, if you have six, seven, eight ships, you're you're not surprised if one dies. I think if you're flying five ships, like a Torkoal Swarm or five ship Rebel Beef, it hurts a lot to lose like a, a Kirax or an X-Wing or a generic X-Wing or a generic B-Wing on the first turn. But you also understand that the chances of that are much lower than losing a Vulture on the first yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah, you expect to lose a Vulture on the first turn. And then when you have seven or eight bodies, it, you don't really mind if one dies. Yep. So, so and and I've always really had a problem with bringing ships that I thought were going to get initiative killed because the way I look at it is like if I'm bringing eight vultures, right? 
I mean, you generally hear like if you lose one vulture on the first round, you're probably going to win the game. And if you lose two, then you you might lose the game. Um, and if you lose more than two, you're 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 done, right? And I'm like, boy, do I essentially what I'm doing there is I'm saying I'm going to bring a hundred and like seventy eight points of ships in exchange for you not being able to shoot on the first round of engagement, right? Like that's almost what the trade is. Is that I, I we already know your attack is going to be taking off this one ship. And I'm only getting to bring 178 points of ships. And I, I have like trouble wrapping my head around why I want to do that. Now, obviously, CIS swarms do incredibly well. So I'm stupid and I'm making bad choices in, in thinking that way. Um, but I mean, does anyone else think of it that way or, or so just uncomfortable with it? I, I see what you're saying. And it's it sucks when you lose a ship on that first engagement and then it, you just watch your entire list fall apart where... You lose a ship every round after that, and it's just kind of just like, by the time you get to shoot, you have no firepower, and it does suck. I think the when you're list building, though, one of the things you have to kind of identify is if you have the skill to maybe keep that ship alive. Like, if it doesn't die on that first pass, what are you then doing to keep it alive? Are you using it as a blocker? Are you cycling it out? Are you just using it as bait, make them chase while you possibly set up your other ships to get the perfect net out. So I, I think that's something that you really kind of have to take into consideration um, when you have lists like this. So like if you have a ship that's at one hole left and it's only out is then to possibly block the ship that's going to be moving after you, maybe that's what you have to do. And I think if you can identify that, then these are the lists that I think you could really benefit from as opposed to I'm just going to point all my ships in a certain direction and hope that I get shots off and they don't get initiative killed. I I think that you have to look at it as a different aspect as opposed to uh, just getting shots off. Yeah, I totally agree with Andrew there. But getting back to Brett's problem with losing a ship on the first engages, I think you're like missing half of the equation there. If all you're looking at is, well, I'm going to be bringing 170 some points of ships to a game because the idea is like i'm going to trade one of my 20 point ships for one of your 50 plus point ships right like i said so i'm bringing 178 points and you don't get to shoot the first turn is basically the trade but you're also saying and in addition my other seven ships are hopefully going to kill one of your 40 point ships or 50 point ships yeah which is the part i didn't mention at all yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and like that's like you're just basically taking a large gamble like that is what it's a calculated gamble, but like that is what those lists in my mind are always playing to is I will trade out cheap ships for your expensive ships. And I believe when I'm list building that I can consistently do that. That's fair. And uh, let's keep in mind too, when I bring a 60 something point Jedi, they die in one turn sometimes too. And that hurts a lot more than losing a vulture, right? <laughs> yep. And yeah, it's, I'm going to be able to use my seven, eight ships to block your Jedi and then pile the other six shots into it. Like that's also like my belief of I'm bringing that number of ships to the table. So I think, yeah, it comes back again to like, what are you trying to do with your list? Right. Yeah, definitely agree with Zach there. Um, it's it's something that you like going back to win conditions. It's something that like uh, I think this is more 
understanding that this could happen and really kind of trying to make sure that it doesn't happen um as far as maybe your flight patterns or anything like that go it's i mean granted i flew the four fangs along for a uh, flew it for a while so it definitely happens where you lose a ship on a turn but i i think at the same time uh having that out um to set up your ships in the best possible i mean granted jedi are dumb and squirrely that they can art dodge you and even you can set up the most perfect nets then they fly over a rock and get out of there so it's something do you want to what is the what is a sadomasochist do you want to take that pain or whatever (laughs) um yeah that's that's something that is in your list building definitely and understanding that where brett like i said i know you would never do that but it happens and it's they're definitely winnable games um all right so why don't we move on what do we got next um so what can i do to with my list when i am just bad right i I make a a really bad maneuver is there a way for me to get out of it like can i can i double reposition and, and get out of it is there a way where i can slave one and change my dial and now all of a sudden instead of being at you know uh like range one and two of five ships i have there's like a range three ship on on me and that's it right like so you know what do i i do to give myself an out when either that i'm just completely outplayed i make a bad decision or honestly just to to get an advantage right where i i now know what you're gonna do what can i do to you know to barrel roll and boost and i get a shot and you don't get one so I want to I want to give myself those options. They don't have to be repositions. It's just that's usually the easiest way in this game to to sort of get that get out of jail free card. Yeah, I got nothing on this. <laughs> um, I mean, nothing that we haven't already said. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, like I mean, double reposition is one of the best mechanics in the game. So I mean, if if you are comfortable flying that mechanic, then definitely do it. Uh, Pre movement decisions. They are there, but they cost. I mean, one point if you're Boba Fett. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, that was that was FFG throwing scum a bone after putting them in the dunk tank for so long. That's probably true. Um, so honestly, the last thing I think I usually do when I'm on list building is then I try and just figure out is there a better list out there than the one that I have made? Right. Like, you know, Oh, I made this, this fun aces list. Is it just going to automatically lose to, you know, to Ollie's world championship list? Um, or, Oh, I, I put together this cool, uh, you know, five ship rebel list is five X wings just significantly better than it already. Um, and I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, handicapping myself just for the sake of saying I built this list myself. That yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, like, you always want to try to... I think we also touched base on this again. There's, like, a, kind of, like, floor-checking yourself to see if you... Is it going to be good up against certain lists, or are you just going to be... Um, just doing what you can, going through the motions, and just throwing ships together that you don't think... <laughs> um, I just saw you're right. Yeah, so I, I think that is your best bullet point right there is copy whatever Zach comes up with first. 
Zach's got a habit of. <laughs> I actually thought that was your bullet point, so I think this might have been Zach's bullet point. <laughs> nice. Well done, Zach. <laughs> I was waiting to see if somebody would see it. Zach put it all on bald, bold, copy whatever. Zach no, no, that that was me. I made it. Big oh, you time. made it big. Yeah, yeah no. I, mean, I, I do have to say, Zach is one of the most creative list builders I I have seen. I love lo- getting to just figure out what he's bringing to a tournament. I remember driving down the Nova with Paul, and I I pulled up the stream, and Zach was on there, and I was like. Zach's freaking like flying double fire sprays. Um, I was like, I, and I, I want to say it was like up against the sinker swarm or something, but I was, yeah, I was like, I really just don't see how he's going to possibly have enough firepower here. And I watched him just dismantle it. And uh, you know, having played against Zach a lot, he's very creative. He does come up with combos that I wouldn't have thought of. So this really is a good suggestion. Well, I just, when it comes down to me, like what, like I said, I, I feel like, With this topic, it really made me think about today. Like, once I really got thinking about what we're going to talk about tonight on the podcast, is that I actually, I really do, as much as I didn't think that I had a process for this building, I do. Like I said, I start off with, what is the thing I want to fly right now? Because I do, for me personally, enjoyment is a big part of the game. If you're not enjoying what you're flying through a long tournament, you're going to start flying bad just because you're having a shitty time. Right? Like, you fly better when you're having fun. I'm sure there is a psychological study on this somewhere. Dr. Jonathan can tell us all about it on the next podcast. I'm sure he'll find it. Yes. <laughs> but like, if, if you're having fun, you're going to fly better. So I always start there. And then once I have that figured out, like based on what that ship is, I then try and figure out, okay, so what is this list's MO? If I'm bringing a B-Wing, then like, all right, this list's MO is probably going to be tanky. Like, I'm going to go high health. If I'm bringing a Jedi, then yeah, then maybe I'm starting to think around, all right, I want to be arc dodging. Maybe I want to do some sort of Republic soup type list. I've been having a lot of fun with clones and Jedi recently since the end of Clone Wars. Um, So I start thinking about, like, what is the list going to be themed around after that one ship is chosen? And then you start fitting the pieces together. And that's like a drawn out process of throwing a bunch of shit at the wall in this list builder until you just start seeing things click. And then a big part of that, like I said at the very beginning of all this too, is like also just knowing like what your play style is. Like a big thing if you notice with every single list that I build is that it is designed to cycle shit out and bring it back in in an effective manner because that is how I play X-Wing. If you're ever against me, that is what I do. Once you punch a thing it's gonna go away and then come back and bite you in the ass later that is what i'm hoping to do how to so i start like... so that's what i start designing around is like all right that is what i'm good at this is what i'm gonna try and have the list do and then like yeah it's just that like then the pieces start coming together before your eyes once you kind of have a very strong concept of what you're trying to do with the list then it becomes easy to fit the pieces together without being gimmicky or just leaning into like the all the stress to make scum Han work example we used at the beginning, right? Like Han is like fetch. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> I, I think it could happen. I think it could happen. I have theories. Prove it. 
All right. So, do we have anything else that we want to touch base on before we close this episode out? I'm completely out of thoughts, but I don't know if, if you and Jonathan have anything you want to add out. that wasn't on the list. Jonathan, what do you, you got anything? No, I'm uh, playing with Yasby right now. <laughs> He's building lists. I'm um, usually playing with Lasby. Yasby while we're recording most days. So, to be entirely uh, honest. speaking of Yasby, uh, Match Wong actually finished the squad builder for us. It is just basically ripped from Yasby. He took out all the banned ships. Uh, it is in our Discord for the Ban League. And it, he took out, like I said, the banned ships. So you can start building lists for that and not have to worry about adding an upgrade or a ship that is on the list. And I believe he said he'll be updating it throughout the um, entire uh, season for us. Uh, so definitely thanks, Matt, for taking care of that for us. We definitely appreciate it. Um, May 23rd is our... It's just a practice tournament. If we have the Tabletop CO set up for it, uh, it's just going to be to practice your ban list for week one uh, to get the feel of what's going to be happening. So if you're interested in that, check out the Tabletop TO. Um, I wonder how many soon tiers there's going to be. I say at least like 20%. And people are going to be bad at soon tiers, so it's going to be fine. Yeah. How many soon tiers are going to blow up within the first three turns of combat? Yeah. Um, 75%? With that being said, going forward, I believe after the league starts, I think we're going to make the crazy decision of start recording live so people can hear the bands live as we we actually announce them on the air. And then you guys can leave and go back to list building. But uh, I think our first live episode will be June 7th. That means Um, you'll have to wear pants, Brett. Yeah, yeah. I quit the podcast, guys. Sorry. All right. Uh, so looking <laughs> no to pants fill, for me. looking to fill Brett's role in the podcast. Pants since quarantine started. <laughs> You're a doctor, sir. He doesn't. He said Brett doesn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Brett doesn't know where his pants are anymore. Um, if you ever catch him on stream, you you know that like you know you see the guys that aren't wearing shirts or anything that Zach doesn't wear shoes on stream. Brett doesn't wear pants on stream. I don't wear pants on stream, and I lose always. So those are my two calling cards on stream. I know. I'm 0 for 2 on stream. Want to know? Um, okay. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Definitely sign up for the Band League. The links will be in the show notes. Uh, again, I'm going to ask you guys donate to Patreon. Or um, not Patreon. To Yasby. To Tabletop TO. What they do for the community. <laughs> without asking for anything is great so definitely donate to those guys if you are a fan of the show you can always subscribe to our patreon or check us out on facebook at liberty squadron podcast or just the liberty squadron facebook group um other than that i think that's about it so thanks for joining us and have a great night